When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. that we're finally talking uh the last time we had an episode jason and i sorely missed you but you didn't miss us because you're in vancouver yes what was that like buddy oh it was um i i the, the thing i hate about having to retell the same story is i feel like i feel like i get kind of locked into these phrases that I reuse for every person and I feel kind of guilty like I'm not coming up with like a different response every time but as I've but said for me and all the listeners it's all it's all new <laughs> so reuse away uh uh for everybody I've said or everybody I've talked to about my trip uh, it was almost too good because I feel like um yeah I I was like oh my god I gotta leave already and I just didn't want to like I absolutely adore Watch it, it. You were there with uh, with Vic for what five days? Two days? Four days? Five days? Uh, with travel ten. Oh wow, yeah. that's a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, so like basically seven full days, or no, uh, eight full days. Wow, then uh, just Vancouver, like sorry, in and around Vancouver, or did you travel outside of like in and around BC? We uh, like basically just stuck around in Vancouver, but we didn't even go to like close by areas like Victoria or um or even vancouver island which i learned is not actually vancouver it's its own thing so that mm. that kind of confused me i was like we're not going to the island isn't it the island it's like no not really so oh. i only learned that when i was first with victoria like years ago but like yeah admittedly i was like in my mid-20s and i didn't realize there was a difference so that wasn't great <laughs> and even this trip i was like all oh, right yeah of course it's not the same thing but yeah the atmosphere was great um the eating was fantastic. Being able to go around and try so so much fantastic seafood cuisine. Um, did a lot of stuff like the aquarium, where they uh, rehabilitate a lot of uh, endangered or um, like struggling animals. Um, yeah. We went to the art gallery, the museum, which was so so aesthetic that it felt like its own art gallery, the planetarium. But for the purpose of this pod, uh, I'll bring up one last point. Otherwise, it's just going to be Andreas's fantastic vacation hour. Um, <laughs> one last thing was I went on a vicious hunt 
through all of the lids in the area because I wanted to get an authentic Vancouver Grizzlies type hat. And lo and behold, yeah, they carry quite a few. But I actually learned something else. And this is actually mind boggling and I never would have considered it. So, um, you know, picked up a Grizzlies hat and just because I really like the heat as well, like this current heat team, I wanted to pick up a heat hat and they said, no, sorry, we don't really have a call for that here. And I was like, okay, I just, I'm curious about the other selections you have. Obviously you've got Toronto, obviously you, you still have uh, Memphis Grizzly hats, but stylized as Vancouver, not a single blue modern logo. They were all Vancouver based, but this I found fascinating. So they, I, I questioned some of the other prioritized teams that they had and one of them was portland because i was like yeah why portland i was gonna say that's the next one gotta be portland but yeah go ahead yeah but that, that's the thing apparently a lot of vancouverites are portland trailblazers fans because they're the next closest team that they can root for geographically yeah never would have yeah. guessed that yeah and if and if uh and it's really just a, a stone's throw away it's it's very close can you uh, imagine if uh the supersonics or the sonics rather uh were yeah. still around uh, that would be an obvious given yeah yeah and that's even closer that, yes. that you're talking about vancouver to seattle is like toronto to niagara that's how close it is so yeah yeah absolutely you'd have that that uh that issue there but uh yeah i kind of wasn't shocked that you said portland um but yeah, and I apologize also to listeners, listeners that this is a very Vancouver trip centric <laughs> uh, pod to start because I, me and my family are are going to Vancouver in July. It is our first flight in four years, so we are dying to hop on a flight. And Vancouver is the furthest thing away from Toronto that still keeps us in Canada. So that's why we're going, and that's why I could probably bombard you with tons of questions but i won't have you i don't recall you've never been right uh no it's always been a stopover uh, on okay. the way to the philippines but never never stepped outside that airport well off air i'm gonna which by the way beautiful airport um off air i'm going to provide you a lot of recommendations because now i feel like i actually know what i'm talking about so yeah yeah i'll i'll uh yeah we'll we'll definitely talk offline about this this is going to be an extensive conversation, but yes. speaking of, of which, I think we should probably do the proper introduction and welcome everyone to That's a Rap podcast. This is a podcast that's by Raptors fans, for Raptors fans. You'll notice that my voice is not Jay's voice. It is the other Jay's voice. Jay is not with us today. He's unavailable, double booked, whatever you want to call it. And it is just me, Jay and Trey. So Thank you for joining us. We're very happy that you could. We missed out last week on recording an episode, again, due to scheduling conflicts, and we're just happy to be here. We're happy to talk to you about the Raptors, the ongoing playoffs where we are finally, I, we're, we're very close to a finals matchup here. We'll, we'll dive into that in just a second. But I think where I'd really like to start off is Pascal Siakam. Ah, yes. All-NBA. Third-team All-NBA. I mean, it, you, if I were to have told you this this time last year, if you think about the Tampa bubble, Dre, what do you think were the odds? Like, give it a percent, uh, zero to 100 percent. Like, how likely do you think it would have been that this time last year in the bubble, I tell you, okay, a year from now, Pascal Siakam's going to be All-NBA. Well, 
what what percentage would you put on that? Oh, that's uh, that's that's a tough call because the bubble itself. I feel like the answer varied a lot depending on that timeline from the start of that timeline until now. So, like, there were honestly periods where I knew that one day he would bounce back, but he was looking a little shaky, and I feel like a lot of people considered him washed. I never did. I just knew he was going through some stuff. Having said that. It could not have been more abundantly clear until after the All-Star break this year that oh, yeah. this guy, especially because of his position now, Van Vliet was kind of the opposite story where he was like balling out and like maybe he didn't have the greatest playoffs, but, um, you know, same thing. I don't think he's washed. I think he's going to come back better than ever. It, you know, it could be in his, like an injury thing. We're not entirely sure what was going on, but... Case in point, I feel like a lot of the gears in Toronto turned. Uh, you know, now we've got Scotty Barnes as well, Rookie of the Year winner. Um, fantastic stuff. But in terms of Siakam, to go back to the question about Siakam, the percentage after the All-Star break, I don't want to sound too confident because you can never be too confident. You never know with how the way the NBA was going to go. But I honestly felt like it was a 90%, seriously. Like, I was like, this guy's got to make third. He's got to make third. And lo and behold, he did. So I feel very good about that. But before that, uh, I mean, in the bubble season or the, the following season, not nearly as high, um, maybe closer to like a 30% if he got his act together. But like right now, I've never been more confident. And I feel like that's only going to continue. I feel like he's he's found his stride. He's got this offseason. He's the type of person to to put in work once uh, once they go to Cancun, figuratively, and no problem there. So uh, I, I'm excited to see him reach second or one day maybe even first. That's much less likely, but I feel like this is far from his last appearance and at least the third All-NBA team. My, my favorite stat uh, of all the stats regarding his latest selection is that you think about his draft class, the 2016 draft class with Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Sabonis is on there. DeJounte Murray, amazing season, he's on there. Mm -hmm. Think about that entire draft class and how deep it is. Levert, Heald, Brogdon, Pirtle. Pascal Siakam has more all-NBA selections than his entire draft class combined. That is how impactful he has been, not only to the Raptors, but to the NBA. He is in a class of his own when you compare him to his fellow draft mates. And I, I think that this is a, a crowning achievement for him. I mean, he's there was a lot of detractors in that bubble season, in that season in Tampa. And you and I and Jay on this pod have consistently tried to stand up for him to the effect of saying things like, well, he... he He's been injured or he hasn't had a chance to pick up a basketball in six weeks, things of that nature. It wasn't excuses. It was really just think about how he's he's really grown, right? And he's immersed himself in basketball at such a late age that it's all been about catching up. And and in order to get to where he's been at, to reach all NBA that first time, it took a lot of work. It, it meant living, eating, breathing basketball. And then for that to be cut short. Mm -hmm during the pandemic, that really just threw him off rhythm. Absolutely. And yeah, you throw in the the the, the, uh, the different situation with 
having to not play in Toronto and not having a proper off-season workout regimen, that all added into a very bad season and a half for Siakam and why the detractors came out. So I'm very happy. I, I couldn't be happier for, for anyone in, on this Raptors squad that he was able to get this. Um, and I agree with you, right? I think that this is not the last we hear about him on an all-NBA team. And uh, I, I don't know if I am... I, I cannot close the book on the possibility of him ending up on a first team. Uh, I think just because he continues to prove doubters wrong. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he's got the tools there. And the way he looked in the second half of the season, I, I think he's, he's, you know, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> it's just tough because you're looking at an East that's kind of really balling when it comes to the big man, you know, whether it's the power forward or the center. And I feel like if Miami doesn't get its crap together, uh, perhaps Adebayo will start playing power forward more than center like next year. So, um, you know, he's got that to kind of compete with. He's got, you know, Embiid, obviously. A lot of like big players that, I don't know. You never know though. And um, while that might make it harder for the all NBA teams, it, it's also showing promise in favor of Siakam and his play style and his position and the urgency for such a position in a league that was predominantly like only gunning for guards and small ball. I feel like yeah. it's working in his favor and he's only going to continue to blossom. And again, with the addition of Scotty Barnes, I feel like somebody like Van Vliet, who was our, our all-star this season, he could afford to not have a, a great streak or like a great game. I, I would like to see him bounce back, but I, I feel comfortable knowing that we're one or two key pieces away from a real serious threat of the team. Yeah. And, and you hit on the head there in terms of what Fred, Fred Van Lee brings and what, you know, if, if he has any kind of drop off, which he has and what, how Scotty Barnes can help in that manner. Um, you, you mentioned it a bit earlier, how, how Fred Van Lee is kind of like, his season was the exact opposite of Seattle, yeah. right? He started off really well. That led to an all-star selection. And then he tailed off near the end. And I, I will say that it, it, I would attribute it to uh, his injuries. And while I'm probably the last person to admit that it's because of a the minute loads that he's been taking on, because as I've mentioned multiple times on at Raptors HQ and on this podcast, while he was leading the league in minutes, it's still shorter or less in time than almost any other NBA season in history. So I get that load management is a thing now. So his minutes, him being number one in, in minutes played, does seem like a lot. And it does, I, I can see the thinking behind, okay, because of that minute load, that's why he got injured. But I also say, compare that to other seasons, right? We were talking about like, as early as a decade ago, when Iverson was was playing forty three minutes a, a a game, right? That's that was the regular for a lot of NBA players. So uh, while the focus is now more on load management, I'd like to think that Fred learned from this year and he's going to continue to project up, and that's a good sign for the Raptors because not only is this a Fred team or a Pascal team, there are still signs of improvements elsewhere, right? The second half of the season also saw the rise of Precious Achua. The second half of the season saw Scotty Barnes totally destroy the rookie wall. Uh, he never hit that rookie wall, and hopefully he doesn't hit the sophomore wall. Like He's that good. 
and he's the one between the two of them, two of them being Scotty and Precious, there really is some potential there for some superstars, right? So I'm excited. I'm excited for this, uh, for what this team can do with a full offseason. I don't know if you've seen any, but there was a video circulating yesterday of Scotty Barnes uh, working out and uh, another video of him uh, practicing on a court a couple of days ago. He looks ready. Like there, it doesn't seem like there's an off season for him. It is hit the gym, work on what I need to work on, just get bigger. So uh, I'm super excited for what Scott's going to look like next season. Um, I wanted to transition this over into the off season actually, and what the Raptors could possibly do. I know that you had, had mentioned that you know, the Raptors are maybe a one key piece away. Um, when we, and I, and I won't bore you folks with the salary cap and, and what the contract situations are, but essentially the Raptors core is set. We know who is the core eight for this team next year. You have your starters plus Precious. That's your core six. And also under under contract, I mean, you can also count in Ken Birch in that, and you can also count in a couple of our two ways. But what, what I mean to say is the core is set, right? And there's not a whole lot of money out there to get anyone other than the mid-level exception, uh, which would be somewhere in the 10 million range. But we're not getting a, a game changer type of player with that kind of money. But having said that, this is a team that's going to grow with chemistry. This is a team that is pretty solid up and down. I know that there's going to be a call out for a backup point guard. Um, I guess the, where I want to take this in the direction of is, so two weeks ago, there were some rumors floating around about, oh, hey, Rudy Gobert is available. What can the Raptors do? Mm-hmm. And Jason and I quickly shot that down. Since that time, uh, another name was floated around. So I just want to ask your opinion, Dre, on DeAndre Ayton. So, mm. so the, after Phoenix was eliminated unceremoniously in Game 7, the focus was around Aiton's, I think he played only 11 minutes. Um, he got taken out of the game sometime early in the second half. There was some sort of a disagreement between himself and Monty Williams. Yeah, He is obviously disgruntled. Phoenix also did not pay him his extension. Yeah at the beginning of the season. So he is a free agent. Yeah, and he's um, asking for a lot. on Aiton. He is asking for a lot, and that does factor into this decision here. But thoughts on DeAndre Aiton's situation and any relation to the Raptors? Oh, goodness. Well, first off, I think it's funny that you squashed what was going on with Gobert, because while I would still not mind Gobert coming over, I, uh, I'm i afraid as to what that would cost or what would happen. Um Obviously, with Dallas having been eliminated, and even before Dallas was eliminated, a lot of rumors are now about him going over there. So, yeah, yeah. so much for the Raptors thing. Um, yeah. Now, back to this. Listen, for the last couple of seasons, I have been saying we need a fantastic five. We do. We really do. And while I personally would really like Gobert in a very hypothetical no sort of sacrifice type of world. Aiden at least matches what we're gunning for right now, which is a blossoming young core. And I feel like while he's maybe not as good as some of the people drafted below him, he has become a really good player 
that I'm happy is getting more recognition ever since last year's uh, spectacular Phoenix run. And him being a free agent is very ideal because at least we don't necessarily have to like trade any key pieces to get him. We just might have to spend a fortune. And that's kind of concerning because what is our off season looking like? Like, are there any, yeah, we don't, we don't have it. <laughs> we don't. Oh, we don't have uh, the money to, to get him. Is, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's really only the bid level left, which is about 10 million. That's not what he's going to No, want. He wants like 30 um, something. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you're, if you're looking to get him, it is, it would be an aside and trade, meaning we would have to, Part with pieces and and where you get to that uh, just so you're just so you have an idea of the money involved um you can probably get away with a gary trent and overpaying someone like a boucher and that but that's the ideal obviously phoenix is never going to accept a deal of trent and boucher no, they won't want a five for a five them. i think they're not gonna like try and you know play phoenix is a very deep team and that's what makes this hard it's not like yeah. Phoenix is gonna want Phoenix is gonna want one of our our, our higher profile players. Right? They're gonna want to see Akam out of this. They're gonna want a Fred VanVleet. They're gonna want an OG something to that effect, and that simply just can't. Yeah, especially a taller player to replace their five. Because what are they gonna do? They're you know they've got Crowder, they've got Paul, they've got Booker, so many deep players. I mean, I, I you know I guess they have to fill McGee. I don't know for how much longer, but I mean uh, they're gonna want. Somebody, because I feel like they believe that they are a championship caliber team. They're not going to be doing major moves. They're if they wouldn't have been doing any moves at all if it wasn't clear that Aiden wanted out, which I feel like he does. So they're probably going to try and do some sort of temporary fix. But you're absolutely right. They want quality for quality, likely height for height, caliber for caliber, and we want to fix our five. Do we? I, well, okay, not necessarily, but if we were to get Aiden, that would show that perhaps we would want to get her. We would want to fix her five. Why else would we want Aiden? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good um, point. Um, so if that's yeah, the that- case, why would we sacrifice? I know we're like a very equal-heighted team, but you know, why would we <laughs> sacrifice caliber that we have or the height that we have to get this? I don't know. Now that like you're kind of clarifying. The um, unless a Dennis Schroeder thing happens, where it's like I want this amount. Okay, fine, I'll settle for two hundred thousand. <laughs> I don't know. What <laughs> you never know if that happens. Okay, sure, but uh, if it's going to be a sign and trade, no, let's not do it. Honestly, let's not do it. Yeah, and and the the thing with with Aiden is he has a very specific skill set, right? It's it's not too far off from what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with Gobert, right? I mean, this is a league that is very much into big men that can space you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither Gobert nor Aiden really do that. Aiden, Aiden has a bit of a jumper, at least. He can stretch out a bit more than Gobert, who's really paint-bound. But I think we've seen... I, th- I think if, if the Raptors ultimately do anything to get Aiden, there is a change in philosophy uh, with what Nurse has put in place. Because... Right now, it very much is Vision 6-9. It is switch, 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 mm-hmm. right? And and Aiden doesn't completely fit that because he can't really switch out under the perimeter as well as a Precious, a Thad, a Chris Boucher. So I, I agree with you in terms of if, if 
the Raptors do make some sort of a move for Aiden, which again, I, I agree, it's also highly, highly, highly unlikely. It also signals a change in philosophy, which again, it, I find that hard to to believe. Again, Nurse is uh, Nurse is a chameleon, right? He'll he'll go with whatever the roster he works with, and he'll make it work. He's shown that time and again. Yeah. Um. I just uh, I I'm I'm with you on this in terms of I just don't think that Aiton is that answer. Um. I'm of the mind that we as Raptors fans should prepare for a. Fairly mundane, yeah. boring offseason. Like a lackluster <laughs> offseason. But just to yeah. quickly wrap this up, before you were saying that, like, this is Scotty's team, this is Pascal's team, this is Van Vliet's team, arguably it's uh, Trent Jr.'s team, and all these other growing pieces. Um, to your point right now, it's also Nick Nurse's team. And not a lot of coaches yeah. can actually adapt and change and help the team that they presently have. A lot of coaches require shifts and require I need to work with this person so I could get this vision that I have in mind. No, no, no. So um, do we need an Aiden? No, but maybe some other teams do where they can't adapt and they can't figure their crap out. You know, that one season where we really did not have a five, that's a different story. But as of right now, the fact that we outside of the playoffs overperformed almost every expectation. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we've got a Nick Nurse, which, as we know, because of New York and Los Angeles media, is a very coveted <laughs> piece to a team. Very coveted, um, yeah. I feel like we're going to be okay, especially if we're in his hands. And it's like, hey, listen, if it is a, a lackluster offseason, who cares? Because we also have the team that we have right now. We also have Nick Nurse. I feel like it won't be quite as equal of a comparison. But I'm looking at this Boston team now, and I, we're going to be talking about Boston very soon, I'm sure. Um, yes. I'm looking at this Boston team now, and they had Tatum. They had Jalen Brown, which a lot of people – I don't think Jalen Brown was on people's radars like when he first came into the scene. And now that he's like at times the best piece on the floor, that's pretty good. But anyway, p- point is, similarly, a young team had a lot of um, a lot of growing up and catching up to do. Uh, Kemba didn't cut it on, on the team there. Uh, Kyrie didn't cut it when he was there. While they were fine in, uh, in some respects, the real trick was getting them to grow and become the chemistry-driven, super dynamic team that they are now. And not saying that we're going to be quite as good, but that's what I'm foreseeing for this Raptors team. That's what we need to keep doing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, no, well said. Well said. And I I have one more, more Raptors-y thing to mention and it's it's Raptor Z because it's not necessarily about the Raptors, but it kind of is. And that is the Scarborough Shooting Stars or the CEBL. They are making some headlines. This, this past week, they signed rapper J. Cole and they signed former Raptor, currently suspended Raptor, Jalen Harris. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on those signings of either of them? Uh, obviously, the Scarborough Shooting Stars are now... The hot ticket item, I think the second it was announced that J. Cole had signed with them, the Ticketmaster line was, I think, 3,000 people deep within seconds. Um, and then if you're thinking about the possible, like, how did this come about? Part of OVO's um, roster, I guess you could say, uh, uh, Nico, he actually grew up with them. He used to play basketball with my my, my younger brother. They used to be mm. on the same team in the Filipino Basketball League. But 
Uh, Nico's come a long way. He's one of Drake's best friends. Uh, Nico is the owner of the uh, Scarborough Shooting Stars. There's your link. OVO and J. Cole. I mean, it, it's not too hard to figure it out. But yeah, J. Cole's a baller. He, he wants to play professionally. And uh, OVO is trying to make that happen. And then following that signing of J. Cole, uh, Jalen Harris, who is currently suspended by the NBA for uh, violating the drug policy, um, he can be, he's on a one-year suspension and can be, can apply for reinstation on July 1st, because that's when he got suspended last year. So if and when he, he applies and if he does get reinstated, the Raptors get first dibs. They can re-sign him and bring him back, or he can sign with whoever other team. But the, the Raptors have his bird rights, so they have first crack. Um, so yeah, a lot of information there. What do you think? J. Cole? Jalen Harris, CBL, uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if we would be talking about Jalen Harris pretty much at all if he wasn't a Raptor. But, like, I mean, considering that he's been suspended for, I mean, like, it's a stupid thing that he got suspended for. But at the end of the day, um, rather than that, than, like, something a lot more, in my opinion, a lot more heinous and, like, uh, you know, uh, like an attribution to a terrible type of character, I would say. Um yeah, and, and just a bit of clarification, this never specified what the drug was, yeah. but the, the 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 drugs that are, I guess, um, uh, really that that are really bad to have taken would have been a two year suspension. So he quote unquote only was suspended for a year. So the assumption is that it wasn't that bad of a yeah, it wasn't like performance enhancing. Or, yeah, 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 something like that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. like it, to me, it was probably something like just kind of stupid, like completely should not have happened. But um, yeah, because yeah, exactly. it's not like you know a sign that he's an awful person. He just maybe did something silly, having a fun night one night. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think it's performance enhancing or anything really, really bad. Uh, again, we don't know for sure. Um, It'll be nice to see him perhaps show show his worth and uh, and get things going. Um, to move on to the other gentleman, uh, Jermaine Cole. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I think it's Kenny Smith who says it that um, rappers want to be ballers and ballers want to be rappers. So I mean, this is highly <laughs> highly indicative of that. And hey, listen, if if Damian Lillard is like one of the better rappers in NBA history, then this is like that alternative. So to see. Uh, to see J. Cole actually getting signed to like a professional league. I mean, it's not the the NBA like so many people would have wanted. Like, I believe it was the Hornets that he might have had a shot at like a number of years ago. Don't remember. Um, but right now, uh, yeah, he's with the Shooting Stars. And that's uh, that's a big deal for a lot of people. Like, you know, the guy just shot a corner three as his first bucket and that went viral. And it's like, okay, guys, I mean, nice, cool. Settle down a little bit. But I feel like people are just happy because, like, it's not like he's the greatest player on earth, but he is for sure above average, and the guy can ball. And, I mean, is it very, very unbelievable that he can make the NBA? Maybe as, like... Hey, man, if if, if Master P can get a 10-day contract... Or, was it a 10-day contract? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I mean, J. Cole can easily... I mean, I can safely say I've seen bench warmers that cannot ball as well as J. Cole. Honestly. <laughs> and um, I think it's really cool. And for selfish reasons, the fact that he's a part of Scarborough, and I know tickets have sold yeah. out, but like if we really so desired, if we really wanted to see J. Cole Ball, he's in our backyard. 
So for us, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and well said there. Yeah, they're, they're, the CEBL uh, has been around for a couple of years. Uh, friend of the pod, fellow Raptors HQer, uh, Sean Woodley is a play-by-play announcer for the CEBL. So it's great to see. So I've, I've been following along on his journey and it's been great to see the evolution of this league, right? And and the big names that are coming in and out of that league. And this is just the latest to help advertise a, a growing league, to be honest. So, um, and yeah, actually there's a couple of CEBL alum who are now in the NBA. So there is a path there, right? You don't have to necessarily go through college, uh, use the college route or use the the G League route uh, or, or the Europe route. There's also the CEBL route. So I think what this is doing is just it's really just helping highlight this growing league so uh good on you cebl uh specifically nico and the scarborough shooting stars uh we're going to take a break here and then when we come back on the other side we will shift our attention from the raptors over to the nba playoffs catch you on the other side And if you buy this service and or product, you too could be a part of the CEBL. You don't actually have to be a multi-platinum rapper. You don't have to be. You will be a part of a team. Maybe not the Shooting Stars. I feel like they're kind of booked now, but you could be part of the Canadian League. Pretty cool. Oh man, I want I want the Shooting Stars to be like the- Like the LA Galaxy? Power. Yeah, like make make them the, the next power team, right? Like get a, get a big three on there. I don't know who. Okay, so we have two people already. Uh, what about like, a, yeah, what about like Ron Artest or something? I'm sure maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that get like a big three person who uh, who doesn't play there anymore. This is an off season league, right? So like, yeah. honestly, any NBA player can really join there. But I mean, considering uh, Jay Cole is like close to forty, which uh, yeah, you would not be like drafted into the NBA. Unless you're what's that European guy that we signed, Garbosa. Unless you're like Garbosa, then yeah, you're not going to realistically be drafted as like a new player into the NBA when you're close to 40. But like, hey, in the CBL or CEBL, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. And you know who's also almost 40 is Al Horford. Uh, and I'll say, <laughs> who's and I'll be balling, the first to, by the way. Who's balling? That's the point. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'll be the first one to admit that I, I thrashed that signing by the Celtics. When he got brought over, I was like, okay, Boston's doing nothing this year because their biggest signing was Al Horford. Are you kidding me? They're going nowhere this year. And they started off the season in that fashion. Yeah. And I was, you know, bragging about how Boston would suck. And boy, was I wrong because I'll tell you this now. I had them, actually, I had them on this very pod as winners of the title. And that has not changed. Uh, The Celtics are currently up we're recording this on Friday afternoon, just before the Celtics and Heat tip off game on six. their game six. Yeah. Um, are the Celtics going to wrap it up tonight? And if not tonight, game seven? Like, is, are we destined for a Celtics Warriors final? Like, listen, I personally, at the start of sorry, at the start of the season, I wanted the Heat to go all the way, and they they can, they easily can. 
The problem is the Heat are number one in the East when it comes to the regular season. If it wasn't for that awful start by the Celtics, I feel like the Celtics could have even, first off, easily been number one in the East. Secondly, they could have even matched what was going on in the West. Like, for sure, have had a better record than the Grizzlies, which was still quite high. They were like uh, 62 or something. And then um, they could have actually come close to the Suns. I sincerely believe that. I sincerely believe that the Celtics, if they started off the season well, could have easily been like the number one or arguably number one team in the league. And that is really showing now. The fact that their defense is crazy. Um, Marcus Smart got Defensive Player of the Year, but if I'm not mistaken, didn't like pretty much almost every or every single starter for that team get at least one first place vote for that award? Yeah, they all got on. Yeah, they all got votes. That's yeah. So Al Horford, Robert Williams, Jalen, and and Jason, like. And and Marcus Smart, of course. Oh well, obviously, but yeah, he like he won well, the yeah, thing. So, yeah. but like uh, like yeah. everybody else, like that is that's insane. Like in a good way, that that is crazy. And the problem is, as much as I want the Heat to win, because I really love Jimmy Butler at a bio Lowry, even though he scored a great goose egg in a span of twenty five minutes, I still love him. Um, they're looking a little inconsistent. They really are, and the Celtics aren't. Even if the Celtics get blown out, they still look like they're not being ripped apart. It just looks like a bad day. The Heat looks like they're getting burnt out. That's the difference, and I feel like this Celtics team is young and they're hungry, and they might actually give the Warriors a very tough time if they make it to the next round because the Warriors are going to have to match what I believe is like the, the toughest defense in the league right now. And you're looking at Marcus Smart, who's an everywhere type of defender and a guard. Just saying, this is going to be very interesting. Yeah, and it's it really would be the the matchup of the two best teams uh, throughout these playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, I, I at the beginning of the playoffs, I really was thinking that the, the Suns would get there, but <laughs> no, see how that fell apart. <laughs> Which sucks uh, because, like, you know, if they just lost that, like. If they just lost at like the last second or something, fine. But like when you're looking at the coach of the year and the, the highest winning team, Jesus Christ, like what the hell happened? They were losing by like, I think like 50 at one point. They they lost the fi- game six and seven by a combined 60 points. Come on. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> what the I'm sorry, that is an astronomical collapse, and I don't want to sound like a Skip Bayless or something, but when that happens, that doesn't just happen, especially when you're like a number one team. They've got to figure something out, even though I said before that they're probably not going to be doing too many moves because they they probably want to run it back. No, not when that happens. If you just narrowly miss, fine. But when you get blown the hell out by Luka Doncic and a bunch of players that aren't really helping them all that much... What the what the hell is wrong with your team? There's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with your team. There is. There's something that I'm, needs to be fixed. I'm glad you said Luka Doncic uh, <laughs> and and not give any credit to Jason Kidd. I still refuse to give Jason Kidd any credit for anything coaching related. <laughs> um, but yeah, Luka Doncic, congratulations on a fantastic season. Uh, this is 
it's it's crazy to me that between Doncic, Aiton, and Trey Young, you all came from the same draft. Like that, the season, like the the NBA is in good hands. Um, yep. But yeah, bringing it back to who ultimately eliminated them and the Golden State Warriors, they're back to the finals. And mm-hmm. a, a crazy, crazy stat. Well, not really a stat, just a fact. Really, is that when Clay Thompson is healthy. He's made the finals in every season since 2015. So this is his sixth finals in of years. the last eight years. Yeah. The last two, the previous two, he was injured. So Clay Thompson, all he knows, all he knows is finals. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. Um, are they the team to beat? Like I don't know. I, I know you kind of kind of uh, talked about who could win here. I mean, I think from my standpoint. I agree in that Boston has the best defense, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Yudoka has brought something to this team that I didn't think was possible. I thought when Brad Stevens moved up from coach to the office yeah. that there would be whoever would replace him would be a coaching downgrade. But I think that's because uh, Stevens was on such a high pedestal because of how he started as a Celtics coach, bringing them on the cusp of an NBA Finals mm-hmm. that the the assumption is that you just can't really get better than that, but apparently you can if you're a part of the Popovich tree. Yeah, uh, so, Spurs alumni. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that's that's where we sit now, right? And the Celtics team, which is looking like a powerhouse, right? And I think you, we probably meant. I I know I definitely mentioned this on this pod that that acquisition of Derek White at the trade deadline is going to be huge. Oh yeah, he fits their team perfectly, and we're seeing it. Um. It doesn't matter if Marcus Smart misses a game or if Robert Williams misses a game. Okay, here comes Derek White. Here comes Grant Williams. Like yeah. this team is is built to win, and I still favor them over a Warriors team that's looked pretty dominant. Um, because at the end of the day, defense wins championships, and I liked Boston's defense a hell of a lot more than Golden State's. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you can't put to rest the fact that the Golden State Warriors, this this iteration of it will have a six nothing advantage in terms of finals appearances to work off of, right? So, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. I I look forward to it. It's um, yeah, it's really tough to say. Like, you know, on one hand, I feel like the Celtics actually really do have a good shot, and you know, I, I hate that we're like counting out the Heat already, but like, you never know. You you never know. But what... I, I think what I'm hoping for, really, Dre, is a competitive series now, yes. I, I know that sounds really silly to ask for yes but in this playoffs so far we have seen 23 games already where the winning team won by at least 20 points blowouts. that that is an incredible number of blowouts yeah in the last 15 nba seasons only one season has had as many uh, 2016-17 there were 24 such blowouts we're at 23 this year and there are still two series to finish, right? Yeah. Like it, this, it's obvious that the blowouts are happening at a much higher pace this time around. Uh, all I'm asking for is a competitive series. I want games that are <laughs> within a final position in the final couple minutes, please. Uh, let's, let's finish off this season, right? Is that too much to ask? I feel like we'll get that. I feel like we'll get that. Um, you know, I've already given some flowers to the Celtics team, um, to the Warriors team. They've got a couple of things going. First off, they have undeniable chemistry because if you look at uh, their starting five, their usual starting five, you have Steph, Clay, 
play looking fantastic, amazing, especially that last game. Uh, Draymond, which I know a lot of people love to joke, is uh, Mr. Triple Single, but I feel like he carries a lot of value to his team. Like, maybe not every team that he would ever play for, should he, but this specific team, he's just a perfect fit. In the same way that Iguodala kind of feels like a perfect fit. Um, Kevon Looney, who was a part of the championship run, like, during the during the Durant years, the only, like, kind of new piece in this squad since their last championship is, is Andrew Wiggins who uh, maybe shouldn't have been a, a starting all-star, but the guy's still doing pretty well here. And then you have uh, Jordan Poole, who a lot of people feel like was completely disrespected when he wasn't considered the most improved player. And in all honesty, when this when the playoffs started and he had to fill in for Steph and Steph came off the bench, that alone makes me feel really good about this team. You know, like the fact yeah. that it looked yeah. very capable. Uh, last but not least, I feel like Steve Kerr, at this point, I don't think anyone is saying that Steve Kerr is like not a good coach. He's obviously one of the best coaches in the league right now. And it's not just about these guys being able to score or these guys being able to score from far or these guys being able to do whatever. Like, they're always trying to get better. So what did we look at when we would observe Stephen Curry, let's say four or five years ago. Greatest shooter of all time, really good at shooting. He's got handles, fun to watch. He could shoot from, from half court, a lot of similar stuff. But now the fact that, and he was chuffed about this, that he was considered a two-way player, that's a testament to the work ethic of the team, as well as Clay Thompson's recovery, by the way. I don't want to discredit that. How many people could come back from two heinous injuries in a span of two years mm-hmm. Two completely, uh, two completely destroyed seasons, and yet here he is again playing like as if nothing happened. Amazing, but also like the coaching staff has to be given some credit as well. Like they're not just fire, and this is what a lot of teams like. Unfortunately, the Mavericks, unfortunately the Jazz, but a lot of teams don't realize. Yes, you can spread out how far you shoot, but you can't live and die by the three. People think that the Warriors do, but they don't. They have so much other stuff going on, and they're kind of just trying to follow this team blindly without really realizing what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I will put you on the spot here and ask you for a predicted winner. I will say this, though. Uh, the the fact that the Celtics are somehow likable, the fact that Andrew Wiggins is somehow likable, I, I would have never predicted any of those things before this season. Um and and that is a, a shock to my my own system. Uh, you know what what the Celtics also managed to do was ruin the narrative of that I was ready to to jump all over, which was the last time the Warriors trampled on a uh, an unworthy opponent in the conference finals and made it to the finals. They ultimately lost to a Kyle Lowry led team. Mm-hmm. That's that narrative has been squashed. I don't think that <laughs> we, that's we don't think the Heat are coming. Yeah. Um, no, we don't. And even if the Heat do make it, it's not because of Kyle Lowry. I don't know. I, unfortunately I'm, not. Yeah, we're, we're, we are really being down in Miami. So I'm hoping that when we record this next week and the NBA Finals have started that we're not eating our words. And I want to see Bam at a bio cabbage patching to the finals. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> uh, the thought of Bam at a bio cabbage patching is probably the best 
place to end this episode. Um, <laughs> this was this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, again, I missed uh, chatting with you. We do miss you, Jason. Yes. Uh, he did say he was really, really want to be on this episode, but we got you next week, guys. Uh, hopefully, all three of us will be able to work on our schedules and be in place. Um, but that's it. Uh, Dre, before we sign off here, uh, where can we find you, brother? You can find me on Instagram at I am left, E-Y-E-A-M-L-E-F-T. Uh, you can find me on my film editorial and review website, Films Fatale, F-I-L-M-S-F-A-T-L-E.com, no spaces. You could obviously tell which one I've been plugging for longer. Um, so on Films Fatale, I also operate a film podcast called The K-Cut, where we discuss all sorts of fun stuff including uh, awful movies which is our upcoming episode really awful movies so you don't want to miss that additionally i am beginning my palm door project where i am reviewing every single winner of the Cannes film festival prestigious top prize so uh i'm starting with 1955's marty and not doing all of the grand prix stuff before that but everything afterwards whether it's a palm door or grand prix be sure to expect a review about the said winning film or films in the year of in the years of ties. Uh, Jay, what about you? Wow, that's a lot, and that's great. Uh, one thing I forgot about, and we forgot about this on the previous episode, was our re- yeah, weekly recommendations. Oh yes. So, I am going to, do I need to buy you time to think of one or do you have one already? Uh, well, maybe do you, do your plugs first and we can do our okay. weekly recommendations afterwards. So at least we have siblings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I'm hoping that Jason will message me with his. But in the meantime, uh, you can catch me on Raptors HQ or where you're finding my article. Oh, actually, where you're finding this podcast as well. I do have something coming up soon. Josh, if you're listening, I swear I'll get it to you within the next 24 hours <laughs> my player review of precious achua uh kind of a season wrap-up for him uh we're doing a whole bunch of these player reviews over on raptors hq so make sure you check those out um and that's it for my stuff you can catch this podcast as well and all your, all your podcatchers at that's a wrap pod that's our twitter handle um but yeah before we officially sign off do you have a weekly record? We, we've been doing, we're trying to get this thing going, right? The weekly recommendations. It doesn't necessarily have to be about basketball or about movies or about TV shows or whatever. Whatever is on your mind, what would you recommend for the week? Well, Dre, let's kick it off with you. Well, unfortunately, I am going to have to recommend a movie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, again, I'm in the thick of Palm Door related stuff. Um, a lot of Palm Door winners are things that I absolutely adore, and they're some of my favorite films of all time. So a film that's been on my mind lately that I really want to watch, especially because Criterion Collection has had a, a 30% off sale, which is wrapping up soon by the time this episode launches. So please, you don't want to miss it. Um, also, additionally, in Vancouver, I visited a very interesting shop called Videomatica, where they carry films of all mediums, all styles, all parts of the globe. Um, I bought a laser disc, which if you don't know what that is, listeners, that is a very, very old version of a DVD, which is like the size of a record back in like the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. So uh, wow. before DVDs, that's what these look like. And I don't even know if it's functioning, but I bought it for display purposes. Um, nice. The film is called The Cranes Are Flying, and it's by Mikhail, Kal- by Mikhail Kalatazov. 
So this film is one of the greatest war-related films I've ever seen. It was made in 1957, but it looks like it was made yesterday. It is shot so impeccably well by one of the greatest cinematographers, Sergei uh, Orzevsky. And I adore this film. It won the Palme d'Or. I now own it on Criterion. I know I own it on Laserdisc, and I can't, can't even watch the damn thing. But that's how much I love this film. You won't regret it. The cranes are flying. Nice. Well done. And shout out to whatever store calls themselves Videomatica. That's an awesome name. Oh, it's a great um, store. Love, love the reco. Uh, Jason has just chimed in through our chat. Um, again, uh, he's he apologizes that he can't make it, but he did throw us a quick weekly recommendation, mm-hmm. and that is Harry Styles' new album, Harry's House. Uh, absolute banger. Make sure you check that out, according to Jason. Um, actually, the actual I, quote was f- banger, but now he has to edit that it. That is true. So that is actually now he has actually. to bleep that out, but it's his own fault. <laughs> we got to put you to work, Jason. <laughs> we have to. We have to quote uh, it verbatim. <laughs> that's true. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, so now you guys have put me in a, a difficult position because I had a movie in mind I want to shout out. But now that he's talking about music, I want to shout out a, 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 an album. So I, I'm going to go with my initial instinct here and go with a movie. Uh, I recently watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, yes. And oh my gosh. Go watch that like yesterday. Go watch it. Uh, amazing. Uh, I, you are the film expert here, but I, yeah. I really And, like and that also, film. I read, I, I went to, I, I read the review on your site. I totally agree with it. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't written by you, no. but still, make sure you check it out. Uh, totally, totally worth it. Yeah, it's um, it's a it is a very good film. I actually did get around to it. Um, it's it's really, really, really good. Um, a lot of fun. That's the thing. I was expecting it to be crazy. I didn't expect it to be as much fun as it was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even give you any idea, dear listener, about the plot or what it's about. Just know that it's worth watching. It's part of our weekly records. And on that note, uh, I'm not going to be everything everywhere all at once. I'm going to wrap up this episode. So on that note, that's a wrap. My only complaint about everything everywhere all at once is the idea that we have infinite possibilities for anything to be real. And in some universes, the New York Knicks are actually really good. So on that note, I really hate the (laughs) film. They get a zero on Rotten Tomatoes oh, for the next Oh, God damn. Thanks for opening up that wormhole. Thanks, film. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is good. <laughs>